See, the secret, I think, to most of life, most of us wander through life feeling aimless and purposeless. I don't know why I'm here or what I'm doing, and so it's kind of hard to be excited about being here and doing the things we're doing, especially when it's tough if we don't see a sense of purpose. But every one of us has something to give somebody else. I don't just mean money. You can give a smile to somebody who is needing encouragement. You can give a kind word to somebody who's having a rough day. You can give a listening ear to somebody who just needs someone who will listen to them. Every one of us has something to give. And in a very counterintuitive way, when we give ourselves to others, we will always get back more than we give. When we are a source of encouragement to one who needs it, we will be encouraged. Hi, this is Chris from The Point a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. We all need a dog like Gus, right? Maybe you have a dog like Gus, one that's just filled with joy and brings you joy all the time. Some of you might be like, why in the world did he pick that video? So strange. You're welcome. See, as we talk about joy, part of it is just having fun, and sometimes to have fun, we just need to be a little less serious and laugh at things that are really simple and kind of dumb, actually. But, you you know, Gus, I, I like this video in part because I think most of us can relate to the joy that brings us when it's our own dog, right? If you're a dog person, you know that a dog is a man's best friend because unlike a cat, a dog will love you, and a cat, however, will not. And if you're a cat person, God bless you. (laughs) I love cats, but we all know that cats generally are just looking for ways to kill you. How can they trip you? How can they claw you? How can they annoy you? And somehow we still love them. But dogs are excited for you. They want your love and attention all the time. The reason they're man's best friend is when you are a dog person and you have a dog After a long, hard day and you come home, you know that dog is there to greet you, probably with way too many slobbery kisses and with way too much energy and excitement, and yet there's something comforting of knowing that you are not alone. As we go through this series about joy, we've so far talked about the fact that joy comes from being connected to Jesus. When we're with him, when we spend our life with Jesus, he fills us with joy. He creates it in us. And from there, we learn that joy helps us to learn to love ourselves. If we want to experience joy all the time, we have to let go of that negative talk and that hatred for our mistakes and instead speak the truth of what God says about us. Today, as we talk about joy, I want you to know this. You will never have a fulfilling, joyful life 
alone. You need a friend, maybe Gus, but probably another person. And I don't mean you won't have a fulfilling life alone as I'm like being single is unfulfilling. Let me clarify, you won't have a fulfilling life isolated and by yourself and withdrawn from community. Joy needs other people. So to begin, we're going to look at the words we looked at just a couple weeks ago in John chapter 15. If you'd like to follow along and join me in the Blue Bibles, it's page 1,126. Feel free to use your phone or your own Bible to follow along. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 11, this is the words that Jesus spoke. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus desires that we would be filled with joy to overflowing in great abundance. It continues, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. When we first looked at this a couple weeks ago, we mostly skipped over this little section. Jesus says, You are no longer my servants. You're my friend. I think oftentimes when we think about God, it's really tempting to believe that God is just expecting from us all of these great things. And we need to give him all of our best. And we put on a face even to God. And we act like we have it all together. God, here I am to pray and let me get just the right words because what if I say something silly? He's heard it before. You can say wrong things when you're praying. It's okay. Sometimes we act like God needs me to do all this stuff. Like I need to love my neighbor so that God is is happy with me. I need to act a certain way and be a certain kind of people so that God loves me. And that's not the case. If we were just his servants, we would be bound to only do as he says. But we are his friends. Our joy comes from a relationship that is meaningful. More than just submitting ourselves in service. And that's a part of faith. But even more than that, knowing a God who is fully on your side. I saw a meme one time about friendship and I think it rings really true. A friend will be there to bail you out from jail. But a good friend will be there beside you saying, wasn't that fun? See, good friends... Don't just come to our rescue in our time of need. Good friends are there for us through the whole journey. And for you and me, our good friends may be there while we do really dumb things, because that's what we do. But I think God is there as a good friend more than just when we do really dumb things. He's there to be a good friend through the whole journey, saying, I'm with you always, whatever you may be doing. 
the good and the bad and the ugly. He cares about you and me, and we need to know that our joy starts with being his friend. He's not angry. He's not mad. He's not looking to condemn you. Instead, he loves you fully, exactly as you are. You know, the beauty about a good friend is you can be yourself, and you can let down your guards, and all the things you try to hide from everybody else, you can let go of. Just be who you are. But, you know, we have a problem in America about friendship. It's hard to see God as our friend in large part because most of us don't really know what friendship looks like. As a kid, we know, like, it's easy to be friends with everybody if they're willing to play with you. But as soon as you don't like what they have to say, you just take your ball and you go home. And that's that. But as a grown-up, friendship is really hard. Because we find that the people around us sometimes think very differently than us. And the people we think we can count on are sometimes not there in our time of need. And they hurt us. And maybe they even purposefully go out of their way to hurt us. And as an adult, it's really difficult to make new friends. I first discovered this when we moved to Knoxville. In large part because my whole life prior to being here, I had forced friendship. Maybe you know what that's like. When you're younger and in school, you have your classmates you see for 40 hours a week, and it's bound to happen that you're friends with somebody 40 hours a week if you spend that much time with them. And then if you go off to college, you're surrounded by a whole building full of people who are your age and may act just as dumb as you and be just as fun as you, and and you can have a great time with forced friendship because you live with each other. In my case, I moved off to seminary, and there, even though we lived off campus, I had all of these classmates and their wives and their children who I was around all the time. And friendship was easy because there was always somebody available. But when you get older and you move to a new city or maybe all your friends move away or all your friends have had children and their life looks different than yours does, when that happens, friendship doesn't just automatically happen. It doesn't just show up on your front door. Now, friendship as an adult, the more you grow, requires more of you. Requires you to go out of your way to make friends. Requires you to not only go out of your way, but to work hard at that friendship, to build it, to sustain it, to see it thrive. And it's really, really difficult. See, most Americans struggle to make friends. In fact, one-third of Americans would say that they suffer from serious loneliness. They feel like they don't have a single friend they can talk to or connect with. If you're looking at 18 to 25-year-olds, those who are in college with forced friendship today, they should have the most opportunity, and 61% of them say they don't have a single friend they can count on talking to moms who have children, especially young children, over 51% say they don't have a friend who can be there. Friendship, as we grow, becomes really hard. And because we as a culture are so independent and it's all about me and what I want, it's really difficult to break out and make friends because making friends requires sacrifice. Making friends requires work. Jesus, in the context of talking about you and I as his friend, 
He says, look, no greater love is this than one who will lay down his life for a friend. There's no greater kind of relationship and care and love than being able to surrender yourself for the sake of another. It's also the most painful and difficult. And because we live in this culture that is increasingly more and more lonely, we don't even know how to start in making friends. Want to know something really terrifying? Loneliness has worse health side effects than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is worse for your overall health than high cholesterol. And heart disease is one of the leading killers in America. But the effects of loneliness on our soul tear us to pieces. And every one of us can be lonely. And here's the problem. I'm an extreme extrovert. So I look at the whole world and I don't see any strangers, just friends I haven't yet made. My wife, however, is an introvert. And she looks at the whole world and is like, that's overwhelming. She doesn't not like people. She just needs time by herself to be recharged. But as an extrovert who wants to make friends with everybody, it can be tempting to look at people who have really active social lives or who are really fulfilling their, their time with all kinds of people and say they have all sorts of friends. But what makes friendship so difficult is friendship is not just about quantity. It's about quality. It is better to have one or two meaningful friends that you know you could give anything for and they would in turn for you than to have a room full of friends that you can't even name. Friendship is incredibly difficult. Jesus, he says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, is a thing God creates in us. And He calls us and chooses us to be those who bring this fruit to others. So how do we begin to experience joy? I think the way you and I can have joy that is contagious, that the whole world finds, is to go out of our way to make friends. Now for all of you introverts, before you get scared... Let's just start by going out of our way to be friendly and see what God does from there. Real quick, how many of you so far this morning have asked or been asked, hey, how you doing today? Okay, well, for those of you who haven't, how you doing today? And how many of you, your go-to response is, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm busy. And then when somebody says, oh, I'm busy, you're like, oh, yeah, I know what that's like. And then you move on, and that's the entirety of your conversation. Anybody? How are you doing today? I'm good. Well, great. Glad to hear that. Anybody ever say you're good when you're not really? Here's a challenge for you. Just consider this. Next time somebody asks you, how are you doing today? Just stop and be honest. Like, Actually, I spilled some toothpaste on my shirt today, and that was a bummer. <laughs> it will completely catch them off guard. I promise they will not know how to respond. See, often we're so quick to act friendly, like how you doing, we don't actually take time to care, to listen. The secret to finding joy is learning to make friends, and the way we make friends is learning to listen to others. So when you ask, how are you doing today, stop and wait for a response. You're doing good? I'm really glad to hear that. What if you asked a tougher question? 
is there any way I can pray for you today? You will get to know people on a level that is meaningful and personal like you never have before when you simply stop to listen and care about something deeper than just a passing hello. When we begin to know others, we find in them all kinds of joy. Paul, the author of most of the New Testament, he wrote 13 of the letters of the New Testament, which is half. He was a man who had purposefully killed Christians, who imprisoned them, who was, for all sorts of reasons, enemies of those who followed Jesus, until Jesus got a hold of him. And in most of his writings, I think nearly half of his writings, Paul begins his letter to the Christians he's writing with thanksgiving. He begins in almost half of them, I thank God for you and the joy that I have in you. I thank God for the love that I find through you. I thank God for who you are. In Philemon, we're going to look there. This is a really short book of the Bible. It's only one chapter. If you want to jump ahead with me from John, it's on page 1,242. In one of these little letters of Paul, as he's writing to the church, he writes this beginning in verse 4. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brothers, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. This is the type of greeting Paul gives most of the churches he writes to. I thank God because my joy has been refreshed through you. The way you love, and the way you serve, the kind of people you are fills me with joy. Paul often suffered in prison. In fact, he begins in verse 1, Paul, a prisoner for Christ. Literally, he's writing from prison. And he says, you fill me with joy every time I think of you because I know of your love and how much you care. Maybe you don't have that kind of friend right now. The person that every time you think about them, you are filled with joy. So what if you begin to be that kind of person for someone else who loves and cares wholly, who takes time to listen and to pray for those who are around you? See, I think often as we as adults seek out friendships, we think people who are our friends need to be like us. They need to think like us. They need to act like us. They need to love the things we love. Did you know it's possible to be friends with people who are nothing like you? And maybe even be friends with people who are opposites of you, who think opposite and have very different opinions and maybe are loud and obnoxious and you don't really want to be their friend? But if you take time to listen, I assure you, you will find that even those people can be wonderful for you. How do we live in joy? We need to learn to make friends, which means to go out of our way to listen so that we can be heard. You see, it's when we listen to other people that we're invited into the conversation to begin to share about who we are. We often think the more I talk about myself, the more other people will get to know me, but it's actually the opposite. 
The more you get to know the other person by letting them talk about themselves, the more they'll begin to get to know you. We can experience joy by making friends, but there's another way that we can experience joy, and it equally has to do with others. A few years ago, my kid's school brought a child psychologist to come speak to parents about parenting, and he said a whole lot of things that were really, really challenging and really, really good, but one of the things he said that has really stuck with me, the patients he sees are patients' children, usually 13 and under, who have all kinds of extreme behaviors pointing towards bipolar or schizophrenic um, mental health issues. And that's really rare with children. And so when he gets these kids, they're the extreme of the extreme on the behavioral spectrum. And parents are at their wits end and don't know where to turn. And he gave this whole formula of how he works with parents that was really, really good and challenging even to my own parenting of what I can do with my children better. But then he said something profound about how he works with these kids. He begins with these kids by helping take a baseline measurement of how much they believe they matter in this world. Specifically, what do these kids see that they can give to those around them that they don't currently give? What he finds is almost every time, if he can find where they're at right now with what they think they have to give, and he can slowly show them who they are and what they truly can give to the world around them, what he finds is as they begin to give more of themselves to others, their anxiety and their depression and even their behavioral issues begins to diminish. See, the secret, I think, to most of life Most of us wander through life feeling aimless and purposeless. I don't know why I'm here or what I'm doing, and so it's kind of hard to be excited about being here and doing the things we're doing, especially when it's tough if we don't see a sense of purpose. But every one of us has something to give somebody else. I don't just mean money. You can give a smile to somebody who is needing encouragement. You can give a kind word to somebody who's having a rough day. You can give a listening ear to somebody who just needs someone who will listen to them. Every one of us has something to give. And in a very counterintuitive way, when we give ourselves to others, we will always get back more than we give. When we are a source of encouragement to one who needs it, we will be encouraged a source of joy to one who is grieving, we will find joy ourselves. If you want to learn to begin to be filled with joy in a contagious way, you need to do so with others. You can't do it alone. So learning to make friends by being around people and listening is a start. And one of the ways you can do that is by learning to give of yourself to others, of your time and of your energy to actively serve those who need it. I think this is in part why Jesus said, no greater love has anyone than he who lays down his life for his friends. It's in the act of giving that we find ourselves refilled. So when it comes to your life, the people you need to befriend and the things you need to give, who can you serve today? Maybe it's as simple as opening a door for somebody or smiling, or waving with all five fingers and not just one. 
Maybe the way you can serve somebody is by inviting them to sit with you at lunch so they're not sitting alone. Maybe. Maybe it's not just about today, but committing yourself to a lifestyle of seeking to serve others. Be it here in the church on Sunday mornings or through the week, or, or be it even in the community, is there some place that you value? You could serve with all those cats at the shelter. You could serve with all those dogs there too. You could serve agencies that are feeding those who are hungry or serve those who are caring for those who've been victims of abuse or trafficking by committing your life to giving something to others. You will find great joy always. I've had the opportunity a couple of times to go overseas on mission trips. And if you've never done that, it's a really weird experience Because what you find when you go is that the people you go to serve actually need the service less than you do. The the people you go to try to be a blessing to tend to be a bigger blessing to you than you are to them. I've been to Haiti about three times, and we worked at an orphanage, and the weirdest thing happened there. We would go with candy and other things. We'd do VBS, and we'd serve them by digging a well or planting a garden, all kinds of different things. And... If I give candy to my kids, what do you think happens? If there's two pieces of candy and there are three kids, who gets the two pieces of candy? The stronger two. Or the parents. You're right. And there, when we were there, if there were two pieces of candy and three kids, what we'd find is the kids would split the candy to make sure everybody got something. It wasn't a me-centered place. They recognized that in their lack, they didn't have much to give, but they had half a Reese's cup to give, and that was something. And here's the thing that we found most profound. Those who really, truly had nothing materialistically were the most joyful all the time. They were so filled with excitement just simply to be alive that everything brought them a smile and love and laughter. And if you've never had that experience, what you realize in seeing that is that we spend our lives on so many things that simply don't matter. We get so consumed with stuff and with status and with reputation and just a life that is ultimately really lonely. When it's all about me and what I would like, we find ourselves more miserable than if it was all about others. As we continue this Courageous Joy series, who can you serve today? How do you give something to the world around you that because you're here, it's a little bit better? Because you're in this world, other people are blessed. When we begin to do that, not only do we begin to make more friends and be less lonely, We begin to worry less and and be less anxious about all kinds of problems and see that God really does care for all of our needs. He is there for us in the good and the bad. And this we can rejoice always. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you have given your life for your friends. That you have laid everything down that we may not just be servants, but friends, ones you love deeply and fully. 
In our lonely and broken world, may we begin to learn to make friends by being around others and listening to them. May we begin to give of ourselves and to serve others in such a way that we would see the purpose you've made for us and we would be filled with joy. God, may we be people of hope, people of joy, that in all circumstances we would bear fruit and others would see your goodness through us. And Lord, we pray for those today here in this place who are lonely. Would you right now remind them of your love for them? Remind them of your care in this time. And may we be the kind of people who would seek out those who are lonely and hurting and invite them in to be loved fully for who they are and how you've made them. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every single Sunday, we collect an offering in this place. And in America, one of the things we like to do collectively, if we do choose to give and serve, is we like to write a check and then call it good. And I just want to give you a heads up. If that's your background, what you're used to, I would like to ask you to not do that, but instead to commit to giving your time to serving somebody directly. And now the flip side is some of us say, well, I don't need to give any money because I give my time, and that's a good thing to give your time. But also when we give our finances, we are invited to recognize that God is the giver of everything and that he will faithfully provide in all circumstances. And so today as we collect an offering, I first want to share with you a result of last week. If you remember, Brittany from Focus Ministries was here. They do prison ministry with women who are in prison or just getting out of prison. And they help these women find their purpose and their place in this world. And we said that 50% of all of our offering last week was going to them. So I just wanted to let you know that we're writing them a check for a little bit more than $1,750. Yeah. Your generosity helps us to bless others. And I saw a couple of you stop and talk with Brittany afterwards. And if you're interested in getting more involved in serving women in prison, I would love to connect you with her to not just give money, but also your time. Now, in this place, though, all the things we do do require money because we live in a world that is not free, unfortunately. So if you would like to support the work that we're doing and join in experiencing the joy of giving here in this place, you can give with cash or check in the black boxes as you exit. If you filled out one of those connect cards with a way we can pray with you or connect with you, feel free to place that there as well. And if you're somebody who prefers to give online and you'd like to do so, you can do so at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. So we got quite a few compliments or comments today about worship. A lot of people were saying that we should play the song that the ba- uh, dog was playing in the video. So thank you. Yes, we'll Fletcher, if you could learn that, that'd be awesome. I've, I've already got it. Play by ear. Cool. Um, so let's see. Um, God, play the... That's actually two people said play that video song from the video. Um, okay. Please pray God's will is done May 4th. May the 4th be with me and be like Gus. Thanks for sharing this contagious joy. May the 4th be with you. Amen. Yeah, that's this Thursday, by the way, if you don't know. Okay. 
April 30th. Okay, I'm good at reading dates. When it comes to cats feeling capable of love, I hate to break it to everyone, but Pastor Adam is a bold-faced liar. (laughs) Research from the Humane Animal Interaction Lab of Oregon State University shows that cats form attachments to the owners in the ways similar to dogs and even babies. I know that cats are lovely and lovable. I'm just allergic, so I choose not to. And I also knew that somebody would get mad. You're loved even if you're a cat person. I feel like I know who this is from, personally. <laughs> They're anonymous, uh, so it's just... It's anonymous, but I feel like I might know that number by heart. Yeah, that's fine. I don't. Uh, some cats do love their owners. They are just more selective. Um, this message reminds me of Madame Blueberry in Veggie Tales. She was... Ne- she was buying things to find joy and never found it, but found joy through watching those with little to be thankful for. Madam Blueberry, if you're not a VeggieTales fan or if you have no idea what that is, you're in for a treat. Someone said that you do practice what you preach. Thank we you. are in this church today because he reached out and listened to a budding friendship. Thank you, Adam. Well, thanks. Um, Any questions today? No, a lot it's comments. a lot of comments. Ah, all right. Um, do you think dogs look at us like we are God, like we appear to live forever and provide all things? I have no idea what's in the mind of a dog. Me either. Probably just squirrels most of the time. Thank or you. Or mailman. For some reason, they always bark at the mailman. I don't know why. Yeah, like, it's a uh, love the acoustic approach today, beautiful singing during worship, can the band play the dog song, and... Whoever said that I was rocking the harmonica, thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. So no questions, just a whole lot of anger over my cat comments. You're welcome. We need a cat song. We need a cat song. If we could see a video of a cat playing a Uh, uh, toilet paper roll, I might like cats a little more. I mean, let's be honest. There is that meow mix, the meow, 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 meow. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, well, as you can tell, we like to goof around and have fun here, so... Um, we're glad you're here today, and we are today after church having Sunday fun day uh, because it's the fifth Sunday of the month, and so we have a lot of food that's being cooked or that you brought that is available, so please stick around if you have some time. Maybe take a moment to make a new friend by getting to know somebody new. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and for kids, we have a few fun things too that will be set up out there. Um, so that's coming up. I was supposed to introduce you to somebody today. But I think this was a purposeful attempt of hers. So can confirm. Uh, can, can confirm. I'll introduce you next week. But this week was an exciting week because Michelle Witte is uh, now hired part time. She's going to be working with me as an executive assistant, and she's going to be able to help communicate with you guys better during the week and do some administrative stuff. And she's also super introverted. So when I told her I was going to invite her up on stage to introduce her today, she then conveniently volunteered to help prepare all the food in the back. So uh, if you see her back there, you're like, I don't know who Michelle is. She's probably helping prepare food and uh, just ask around until you find Michelle and then you'll know. I'll introduce her next week. Before you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, 
simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.